We are in Matthew chapter 5 today, so I invite you, if you would, to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 5. It's our second week in um, the sermon series that will occupy most of the spring, um, the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew chapter 5. I'll start reading in verse 13. makes me so happy to hear people turning pages in their Bible. I'll give you a minute to get there. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 13. Jesus says, You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds, and praise your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are a lot of things that that I hated about the pandemic. Anybody else? Amen. I mean, if there's one thing you should say in church that should draw a strong amen, it's that. Um, I'll keep trying. Yes, there's this, I, I, I look back on that part of, of life. Sometimes I can't believe that it actually happened. It was like a reality that we tried to live through, and I guess we're still living through in some regards. But it was interesting during that season that we had to really determine what's essential What's essential? And only the things that were deemed essential really were allowed to continue to happen when it was at the darkest. Only the things that seemed to be essential for life and everything that seemed was non-essential, we had to hold off on until things got better. So what are some things that are essential? Utilities at least feel essential, don't they? It's nice to have the power on. Uh, climate-controlled spaces I personally have gotten used to. Um, also, it's nice to see in the dark, have light. When you go hit that switch, it's nice that it comes on. To keep your food cold or hot, what little food that you could scrounge up as you went out and fought others at the supermarket during that time, it's nice that you could keep it, you know, controlled and, and cook it. Um, waste management services, Sure feel essential. Um, it's nice that when you pile your garbage outside, what happens magically? It goes away. Um, so it's nice that that's essential. Let's keep those kind of things going. If you have a, a leak in the roof of your house, feel essential to get it fixed? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 100% feels essential to get it fixed. Um, doctors and nurses, if your appendix needed to be taken out during the pandemic, you're probably super happy that if you were to go to the emergency room, they kept that thing going, correct? You can't be like, hey, time out. Let's wait till the pandemic's over and have that emergency surgery. And just while we're here as an aside, thank you to all of you who do that kind of work. I just have been reminded so much lately of how much of a calling it is that you take on to do that. You don't get to decide when the emergency surgery happens and you go in and make it happen. So thanks for, thanks for doing that. And we were kind of forced to ask the question, 
what about church? Now, if you're trying to decide if church is essential or kind of this nice luxury to have, what do you think in your mind? You don't have to say it out loud. Church essential or church kind of like a nice perk? If we can do it, it's great. Eh, it depends. I, I, I've been reminded this week as I've studied this passage that, that what we do here is not kind of like a nice thing to do, kind of make the community a little bit nicer place to live, or so that you have something to do on Easter Sunday or Christmas Eve night. Though we'll continue to do those things. But that church is essential. And I'm not, uh, I have no interest in reviving debates about when we should worship or not worship or if some other heaven forbid thing happens. I'll let other people figure out if we should do that or not. But as we can, as it's safe to engage in worship, as it's safe to be the people of God in the world, you and I need to feel this sense of calling that it's not kind of this optional thing that we engage in, but it's an essential thing. Um, as important to people's quality of life as the power or the waste management, and I would say more so. Now Jesus here in Matthew chapter 5, as he takes the next step past the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, he says these things about us. One, that we are the salt of the earth, and that we are the light of the world, and that we are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And it's occurred to me this week as I was reading that and thinking about it and trying to prepare a sermon, that Jesus doesn't qualify that. He doesn't say, you're the salt of the earth, or you're the light of the world, you're a city set on a hill, if you attain some level of faithfulness, or if you do this, fill in the blank. We just, we just categorically, we are. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We are a city set on a hill that can't be hidden. And if you and I are not faithful to live into that calling that God's placed on our lives, we shouldn't expect that anyone else will do it. We shouldn't even expect that they're qualified or capable of doing it. That God's given us as the church this unique calling to live into to be salt in the world, to be light in the world. And if you and I don't do it, nobody else is going to do it, and people are going to suffer because of it. Sharon's uh, children's sermon was, you know, Sharon often steals my thunder in her children's sermon. But if you think about salt, and if you read commentaries on this passage, I'll just warn you, there's a lot of chemistry that happens about salt and whether it can be restored or not. And, you know, kind of all these kind of hypothetical questions. But I really don't think Jesus was trying to get us into a chemistry lab. I think Jesus was just trying to say, like, when salt is present, you notice it or not? Yes. You come to my house for mashed potatoes. I fail to put the salt in. Maybe you're kind and you don't tell me. But it's not as enjoyable an experience, is it, to eat those potatoes without salt? It's lacking. And you notice that it's lacking. Or if my salt, through some chemical process, were to become unsalty, um, the only thing that I should do is to do what, according to Jesus? Throw it out. It's no longer fulfilling the purpose for which it was created. 
and so it's not useful anymore, and so I should get rid of it. So Jesus says that we, as his people, we're the salt of the earth. We ought to make a discernible difference in the world by how we live, by what we do, by what we don't do. And if we don't live into that calling, then we are what? Useless. We're useless. If we don't live into our calling to be distinct and different in the world, then then we're useless. And we're kind of just fooling ourselves and going through the motion of church. We're not different. He says a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You ever think about the fact that our church is on a hill? You know how you will if you jog around here? If you jog around here, if you leave the church and go in pretty much any direction, guess what? You cannot, you can't get back here without going up a what? A hill. Lord bless you if you run up Matthews. Just God bless you on that ascent. Or if you pass the Redden's house and try to run up that hill. Uh, nothing gets your heart rate up like running up that one. But in a, in, a, in, a, in a powerful way, you and I ought to think of ourselves seated right here at the corner of Montevallo and Overbrook Road as this beacon of hope and light and salvation, and that you and I ought to feel this weight to, to be faithful to that calling. Imagine if you were traveling back before lights, if you were traveling back before electricity and the grid and everything was happening. If you knew you were going to this city and you knew it was on the hill, then you could look out at the lights and you could at least know that, hey, we're going in the right direction, correct? And if they were to put out all their lights, you're out there and you're kind of without your apps, lost. We are the light of the world, Jesus said. And nobody does what with a light in their house. Imagine if you wake up and the power is out and you stumble and you find a candle and a match or whatever you figure out, or your phone until, it, until the battery dies. That might be your first go-to. All right, you turn the light on. If it's dark, you would not do what? You wouldn't hide it, would you? That'd be, that'd be so silly and preposterous. And Jesus says no one does that. No one lights a lamp and hides it under a bushel, but they put it out there on a stand for everyone to see. Now, how many of you, when I read that passage, thought about that song you used to sing as a kid? Anybody? This little lot of mine, I'm going to let it what? Shine. Hide it under, uh, we said bushel, I don't know. Hide it under a bushel, what? No, no. I'm going to let it shine. It, it makes no sense for us to have the light of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to not share it with other people, both in word and in deed, because we feel this sense of calling to who God's called us to be and that it's not just this kind of optional thing we can go through the motions, but it is this thing that, that if you and I, don't make a discernible difference in the world by how we live and what we do, then we shouldn't expect that anyone else would. 
And one of the things that I love about Mountain Brook is that it's a dark place. Do y'all like that about Mountain I'm getting used to it. If you jog in my neighborhood, God bless you if you get out there before daylight. Like, it's dark. Anybody else experience that? It's dark out there. And like, I think intentionally so. So that you can enjoy the stars. And you can enjoy the moon. And you can see deer before dark. Y'all, it's like a zoo at my house. There are deer everywhere. And there's a part of that, that that's so wonderful. But I, I also think that, that in Mountain Brook and Vestavia and Homewood and Pelham, feeling any other area around, I think for a lot of people it's a dark place. Like not kind of figuratively, but I mean not literally, but figuratively, right? But there are people all around us in all the communities from which you and I largely come that apart from us showing them a better way through our life and our witness of us showing them the light of the gospel that's come to us in Jesus, they're just going to keep fumbling in the darkness. And you and I have this huge privilege to then show them that there is indeed a better way to live, that there is hope to be found past the passing things of this world and to show them the abundant life that comes through faith in Christ. So why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? I think there's a few reasons. One, sometimes we just kind of get complacent in, in our ruts and our routines. And we fail to, to realize this calling that God's given us to go out and be salt and light and to make a difference for him. And Isaiah addresses this in Isaiah 58. I was reading this passage recently as I was getting ready for Ash Wednesday, Lent, on our way to Easter. All that's coming really, really fast, especially if you're a preacher. All that's coming really, really fast. And I was reading Isaiah 58, and Isaiah comes in this passage, and he, he rebukes the people for their religious activity, for doing things like, fasting and and kind of going through the motions of religion and making it more about them rather than pursuing justice and righteousness for those who were poor and oppressed in the land. And when I read this passage, it just made that connection between light. And so I just want to share it with you. Isaiah 58, beginning in verse 6. Isaiah says, Is this not the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? And I think in many respects we do live into this. But increasingly so, if people just said, people who were in tough spots, 
Just like, man, we're glad that Mount Brook Baptist Church exists. We're so glad that they're there. That if like you are down and out on your luck, or hard times have fallen on you, or life is not good, if there's one place that you can go in our community, you can go to Mount Brook Baptist Church and they'll help you. Any one way that our light would shine and glory would go forth. So one of the reasons that we just we kind of fail to remember how essential we are to the world and to join God in his mission of reaching out and connecting with those who are marginalized or poor and oppressed. Another reason that I think we fail to do it is that you and I sometimes, we just don't like being different. Raise your hand if you like being different. We got one up top at least. Like, we like being not different so much as we like being exceptional. Now, if, you, if you're talking about being different for being exceptional, I'm all on board. Right? Being top of the class, being the best athlete, filling the blank, having the biggest office. Some things that I'm okay being different at. I, I would like to pursue those things. But being different, if it puts you out of step with the rest of the world... It's not usually one of those things that you and I sign up for so quickly. We kind of like being like everybody else. One of the guys I like to listen to, I listen to his podcast every week. He has this phrase that I think is helpful. He says, people like us do things like this. Now just think about how much of your life is somewhat fits into that saying. People like us do things like this. And you're probably part of some group that you could fill in that kind of like, this is how we act, this is what we do. And to be different, to step into those places and be different is usually a difficult thing for us to do. When I drop my kids off from school, you know what I tell them a lot of times? I'll say, hey, be a light out there today. Be a light out there today. And I told the first service, you know what they ought to say to me? Well, you too. You ought to be different too. Because it's easy for me to be like, oh, junior high, uh, late elementary school, man, it's so easy to get caught up in the crowd and going along with whatever's happening and kind of have this tendency to not want to be different. But the truth of the matter is that all of us struggle with that at some level. All of us struggle to be discernibly different at some level. And we're being conditioned all the time. You're always being discipled. Did you realize that? You're always being discipled. From the shows that you watch to the music that you listen to, to the people that you hang out with, to just driving through the neighborhoods. Like you're always being kind of conditioned and discipled to live in certain ways. And Jesus comes in the Sermon on the Mount, and as we continue to work our way through these passages, Jesus is going to say this phrase often, you have heard that it was said, but what? But I say. You've heard that it was said, but I say. And so Jesus is kind of taking the prevailing norms and values of the culture and saying, you've heard that like this is how life ought to be, but, but I say there's something totally different that you're supposed to live into. And you and I, we, we often push against that. Sometimes your convictions about things, you're not trying to be prophetic. You're just being different. 
but your very presence can be frustrating to other people if you're different. Just kind of like you hanging out and somebody says, hey, we blah, 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 blah. Have you ever, you're like, no, I don't, I don't do that. You're like, oh, good for you. But it might be just that you're following God's leading in this path. And sometimes you and I feel such kind of pressure to conform and be that we don't sometimes live into this calling. Sometimes following Jesus makes your life harder, not easier. But at every point, following Jesus makes your life better, makes your life more meaningful, makes your life more substantive. And you and I, according to Jesus, we're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. We're a city set on a hill that can't be hidden. And all around us, every day, you and I are engaging with people who don't know up from down. They really don't know how it is that all of their lives. They really are kind of just doing their best to put it together. And all along the way, they're stumbling and falling. And you and I have this awesome privilege and opportunity, humbly but with conviction, to live our lives according to the principles of the kingdom of God and show them that there is a better way. How many of you have ever woken up in the middle of the night and the power was out? Anyone? Do you have the added challenge that there are Legos in the floor? Maybe you've been there. I really do believe that there is nothing that you can stand on that's more painful than a Lego. No words you can say more terrible than when you um, do something like that. And how, how unkind would it be if I was walking across the floor and all you had to do was turn the light on for me and you wouldn't do it. You just let me keep stepping on this stuff along the way. I think in a similar way, you and I, we have so much to offer the world, so much hope and light and joy in the person of Jesus if we'll just live into this calling that God's given us. To be discernibly different as we're being made into disciples of Jesus and hold out the hope and the light that comes through faith in him. So this week, go out and be salt and light. You ought to tell me what? You too. You too, preacher. Because I challenge, I have the same challenges that you have. May God be gracious and use us to make a difference for his kingdom. I invite you to pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the revelation um, that we have in the person of Jesus. Lord, help us to believe that your path in life is better. Help us to be faithful to the calling that you've given us to be salt and light, to be a city on a hill. Give us increasingly a heart of compassion for people around us who don't know you. Help us to know the calling you've given us to pursue justice and righteousness that our light might shine forth in a dark world. Help us to not be to not be ashamed or intimidated to follow the convictions that you've given us in your word. And use us to be a city on a hill that shows people the path to you.
We offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen.